noticed that a lot of people are, are tired. I think we probably, as a race, the world probably hasn't quite realised how much of a toll COVID took on us all. I do think probably more than ever, we as leaders need to be looking after ourselves. Hi there, this is Ben Morton and welcome to episode 118 of the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It's the weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with everyday leaders, senior leaders, MDs, CEOs and genuine subject matter experts, all designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be. It's my gift to you and it's totally free. And this week, we have got a slightly different episode for you in that it's a solo episode. And it's slightly different to other solo episodes that we've done in that it's not quite a solo episode. We've got Susie Seri, my amazing community manager with us. So Susie, say hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on the show. So the plan for today's episode, folks, it is pretty much unscripted. I've got some notes. I am prepared to deliver you a great episode, but it's not scripted. And what I want to do is be a little more open, honest, and probably vulnerable, which makes me a little nervous than I have in the past, and just talk to you about stress, burnout, and in particular, my experience over the past three or four months, the place I got to, and some of the changes that I've been making as a result. And as I'm getting ready to start talking, the words from the Diary of a CEO podcast come to my mind. If you've ever listened at the start of every episode, Stephen Bartlett says, this is the diary of a CEO. I hope nobody's listening, but if you are, please keep this to yourself. Those words are kind of (laughs) ringing in in my head as I prepare slightly to bare my soul in this episode. Susie, you're sitting there chuckling, right? Because you know some of what I'm about to share. I do. Yes. I've experienced it over the last few months of working alongside you. So... Yeah, very brave of you to share. So, folks, here's here's what's been going on. The past 12 months have been, uh, in some ways, a great 12 months, and in some ways, they've been a really, really challenging 12 months. So if we rewind to round about this time 12 months ago, it was actually 21st of February last year. I sadly and pretty unexpectedly, fairly unexpectedly, lost my father. Um, he had a good life. He was uh, in his late seventies. And then since then, as well as sort of processing through dealing with losing my dad, I was also the executor of his, of his will. So there's been a lot of of work to to be done there, sorting that out. At the same time, my mum now is in the, the very final stages of dementia. So that's quite a challenge and that's been going on for, for many years now. Uh, Many of you listening will have experienced it yourself with loved ones and relatives and everyone says what a cruel, cruel disease it is. And I think we all nod and say, yeah, but it's until it's not until, sorry, it really touches us as an individual that that statement really, really makes sense. So that's been taking a bit of a, I guess, emotional toll on me. Been trying to travel over and see her every two to three weeks if I can. On top of that, and this isn't a poor me conversation by any means, folks, but on top of that, like work has been super busy, all in a good way. There's so many exciting things that I'm working on with Susie, loads of opportunities, probably never been been busier, which is amazing. But with all that busyness comes a degree of stress and, and pressure. And 
arguably probably said yes to a few too many client projects and probably had a few too many projects all all going on on at once. And then finally, layer on top of that, towards the end of the summer, my very best friend from when I joined the army at 16. So we've known each other kind of what's that in terms of years, (laughs) a long time. 20 plus years, definitely. Towards the end of the summer, he started to deteriorate with his his mental health. So very last minute, I flew over to Spain where he lived to, to see him and, and try and help. And then between the end of the summer and just before Christmas, his mental health deteriorated scarily quickly. Like it's the first time I've ever seen um, somebody in that situation scarily quickly, which culminated, if that's the right word, with him very sadly taking his own life just before Christmas, which hit me re- really hard. Probably hit me harder than than losing my my own dad actually, because um, it's probably so unexpected and it feels like a, a young guy in his early forties that that's that's not what should happen, right? Um, and then I was heavily involved in trying to do my best to support his wife, his two sons, uh, checking in a lot with his mum and, and his sister, um, and all of that take takes a toll. And then it really started to to hit me. I think it was before my my best friend had uh, sadly taken his own life. I was standing in a studio where I am now. I was facilitating a workshop. I don't normally talk about signs and symptoms of burnout, but I was standing here as a flip chart to my side. And on it, I'd written up like eight or nine warning signs or symptoms of of burnout. And I had this weird sort of out of body experience where as I was talking through these symptoms and sharing them with the group I was working with, in my head, I was going tick, tick, tick. And I suddenly realized like a lot of them applied to me. So lack of energy, waking up with aches and pains, the point where I kidded myself I needed a new pillow. It was nothing about the pillow. My (laughs) my pillow was fine. Just brain fog, like just lost a little bit of my my zip and and energy. Um, And I guess this is maybe where where you come in, Susie. Like what, Mm. what, if anything, did you notice over those sort of couple of months running up to Christmas maybe or indeed even the first couple of weeks after Christmas yeah it's quite strange actually because you've got so much energy so normally when you walk into the room you can sort of you know sense it you feel your energy and that started to dissipate pre-Christmas but it was only gradual and I don't didn't really notice it actually it's quite funny when we were recording or doing a live actually for the for our community and then I looked back on the recording and do you remember we were laughing because I said look how pale we both are and and you looked at it and said wow I don't look very well (laughs) and it's strange when you look back at that time and then you realize that over those few weeks your energy was reduced it felt like you were a little bit stressed in terms of your organization normally you're right on it and you're an amazing planner and it just became apparent that over those weeks you were becoming a little bit more disorganized and particularly after Christmas I think that's when it really made it you know I really noticed a difference in you. So what did you notice after Christmas? I think you just came across as very tired. Right. Yeah very tired very flat we just come back from having Christmas holiday, but it was almost like you needed a holiday and you hadn't had a holiday in a very long time. And it yeah. just seemed like, you know, when you have all that emotional stress, that's, it's very draining, isn't it? It's very, saps up your energy. Yeah. Um, and it, it impacts your physical energy as well. 
Yeah. And that's the interesting thing with it, right? You said there um, it, it was gradual, so you you didn't necessarily notice any kind of marked sudden sudden changes. And I think that's often the same for the for the person experiencing the stress or who's on that road to, to, to burnout, because I didn't necessarily notice it. Or if I did, there was part of me that didn't quite want to accept it and, and admit it. And then again, like one of the things I've been looking at recently as I've just got more curious about, about burnout is like, it's something that generally affects those that are high achievers, love their work, really, really committed. I'm not sure who first coined this phrase, but they said, in order to burn out, you've got to be a light first. So it generally is those people who are passionate about what, what they do that have the potential to then, to then struggle with burnout. And I think that's the bit I, I didn't realize. And mm. again, we shared this in the, in the, in our Facebook community, probably for two years now, I've been teaching groups and talking about the, like the stress performance curve where we need a degree of stress to get to optimal performance. But then if we continue to be under stress for a long period or the stress gets too much, performance starts to, to drop off and we go into tolerable stress i.e we can just about cope with it and then we get into toxic and I'd probably spent I think six to eight weeks telling myself I was just on the right side of that graph I was just to the left of of the peak and I think it's really hard to self-diagnose I think for probably for weeks before I fully accepted it I tipped way over to the right of that graph and was at the far edge of tolerable stress probably in in toxic stress it's just very hard to self-diagnose and I think the difficulty is when you you get that brain fog, like you mentioned before, actually you can't work as efficiently then. And then you feel like you've got to work harder to achieve the things that you would normally achieve in a shorter space of time. And it becomes like a vicious cycle, doesn't it? Yeah. And that brain fog, that was the big one for me. Like you probably noticed this, there'd be days where I just couldn't speak properly. I just couldn't get my, couldn't get my words out when I was actually speaking. And then I'd be writing emails and I'd look at it again kind of when it came back to me in an email chain and they've just completely random words that that I'd written instead of the word that I intended to write because of that just your brain just isn't working at normal normal capacity so the next thing I thought I would share folks and this is the bit that I hope will really be of, of service to you is around some of the the changes that I've, I've started to make and I guess to be really open up front, these are the changes that I've made and are starting to, to work for me. They might not necessarily work for everybody. These might not work for you. And I've no idea actually which one of these changes has had the most impact, which ones haven't worked. But these are all the things I've been really concentrating on probably over the last four to six weeks to varying degrees that I think have started started to help. And I think the first one comes back to this stress curve that I've been, been talking about. I mentioned a few minutes ago, tolerable stress. And I'd been sharing for 18 months with clients, one of the things that makes tolerable stress tolerable is when we have got a support network around us. And the big realization I had is your support network is absolutely useless unless you tell people what's going on and you ask for support, right? Sounds really obvious, but I've got a great support network, but it wasn't probably until December last year when things really came to a head for me, when, when I lost my, my best friend, that I actually started to say to people, look, 
this is what's going on. I, I could do with some help. I know I'm not operating at kind of normal or, or full capacity. And again, it takes a bit of courage to, to do that. Um, but my experience of, has been when you do ask people for help, even if they've got their own shit going on, if you excuse my language, that they're generally willing willing to help. And again, I certainly was very conscious of doing that with with you, Susie and Amanda. And you you were both brilliant in terms of just stepping up and taking care of stuff for me. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, we tried. <laughs> Um, so, yes, I think you've, you've got to use the support ne- network and you've got to ask for help. I think one of the things I noticed, actually, that uh, we did together, I think it was just before Christmas, and it links into the newsletter that you sent out in November, was what can you push into next year? What do you not need to do right now to make your life a little bit easier? And I know we went through all of our plan for 2023 and we worked out where are our priorities and what can we just push to the back and we'll address it another time. And I think that was really important, wasn't it? Just to clear the decks. Yeah, that was the brilliant. Thank you, Susie, for sharing that because that was kind of one of the points I was going to share. The other thing I did was I, even after we'd done that, again, I started to try and create some more space and looked at in my diary, what things could I like cancel, say no to, push back even even further. I just tried to get better at very politely saying no to requests for, can we have a coffee? Can I get 10 minutes of your, of your time? Because I, I needed space. And there were certain things that, and I'm very conscious about the language, there were certain things that I committed to where I very much felt I had to still still deliver that and arguably I could have just completely stopped and created more space but I did try and make a very intentional choice about okay do I really have to do that and some things I said yes to because I didn't want to let other people down and other stuff I, I created space but but that was a big one just carving out more space and someone gave me some advice and said just let go just let go. That's the the best way to come back from stress or wherever you are on that journey towards burnout. So that was a big one for sure. A little bit scary to do, but it kind of definitely helped. The other one that was really scary is to do with, with not switching off. Now, I've always been pretty good, I guess, pretty militant about trying not to work at, at the weekends because I try and have time when I'm at work, fully focused on work, and when I'm at home, being fully present with friends or my daughter, Freya, or, or my wife, Joe. But again, because of this burnout thing, because I was so excited about work, I found myself like a lot of weekends and in holidays, checking my emails, what's going on at, at work, what's going on in my social media. And I noticed that really wasn't healthy. So I was at um, the swimming pool one Friday, waiting for my daughter to come out. I went, do you know what? I'm going to delete my email from my phone. So I got my phone, pressed on the Outlook app and held it down until it starts shaking. You get the little cross. And then I was like, oh, God, I can't do it. No, no, I can't do it. It's too scary. So I so I, so I cancelled and, and I bottled it. And I sat there for another five minutes and I thought, do you know what? I'm doing it. So I did the same again, pressed on it, started shaking. And this time I was like, F it, I'm doing it. And I did it. And I deleted my email from, from my phone. Hey, quick one for you. I want to make sure that you know about my 10 for 10 leadership program. It's an online program that's totally free. It's bite-sized and it covers some of the most common leadership topics and challenges that I frequently get asked about. It's also a course that gets consistently great feedback. You can find out more by heading to the online courses page of my website 
at ben-morton.com. And you know what? It's got some downsides. Like, it's not quite as easy to work out what your schedule is. And if you're trying to book in a dentist appointment for my daughter, I had to go, uh, yeah, I think I can do that, but book it in, I'll phone you and check. So there's some downsides to it, but there's some massive upsides to it, just not being able to check your email at the weekend or if you walk out and get a coffee you can't just check your email just gives you again space and allows you to 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 switch off not for everybody there are some downsides but it's definitely been really beneficial for me probably one of the best things I've done actually were you finding that your focus was really struggling as well when you felt like you had that brain fog so you would get too easily distracted by something and then actually forget what the original task was Totally. Yeah, totally. Which is strange. I didn't really pick up on it because normally that's so not me. I'm normally very focused, work very deliberately on one thing at a time. But yeah, I was a little bit all over the place, easily distracted, simple tasks taking a lot longer than than they normally would. But yeah, getting getting rid of emails from my phone has been a big one. Now, it will probably go back on at some stage, I, I suspect. Or, or at least it may do. I'm, I'm open to the idea. But for now, it's it's been really helpful. I started journaling a bit more. So I've always started my day with a gra- daily gratitude practice, reviewing the previous day and then working out my sort of main efforts for the day. And I was still doing that, but it wasn't having as much, much impact. And then probably over the last three or four weeks, I've started to do that a little deeper and sort of write about where's my mood, where's my energy, how am I feeling, what's going on? Has that been one of the things that's helped? I don't know. I'm still doing it. So potentially I tried harder to meditate in terms of like a simple mindfulness practice, which is something I've I've tried to do that and build that as a habit probably for five years now with varying degrees of success. I've spells where I'm really good and I've spells probably six months where I've not not done it at all. So I've been trying to get back to doing that, which I think is helping a little bit. What do you use for that insight timer or... Um, so I used to, first of all, when I started doing it, I used Headspace oh, yes. was the first one. And then by the time I'd sort of gone through all of their very structured programs, when I was doing it quite regularly, I felt I didn't need quite so much guidance. So I switched to Calm, which is the one that mm. I still use now. I was just doing the daily Calm or just using the, the, the timer in the app. So I just do like a 10 minute time and you get a, a nice little chime at the end when it's time to start to wake up if you've nodded off oh there's a great one sort of which is more female focused but it's called clementine and and it's also very uh interlinked with work so it had they're three minutes long about productivity staying focused so i always think they're really good actually if you want to set set your day up well in the morning cool well there's a little uh, tip there we'll pop that in the show notes for everybody so they can look at what's he clementine clementine we'll pop that in we'll pop headspace and we'll pop calm in the show notes for you folks nice um, and then some other little things I I did, I guess I dialed up and focused even harder on some of the things I generally try and do anyway. So I tried to protect exercise even more. Um, I tried to really focus on getting enough sleep. And I started, especially post Christmas, paying even more attention again to, to my diet and simply trying to... Um, focus on when I was going to buy some lunch for example try and focus much more on nutrition than calories and just kind of eat really really healthily to I guess just to try and boost my immune system because I know if I was stressed and and tired and and a bit run down carrying a lot then didn't take much for you to start getting sick with coughs and colds and stuff like that 
interesting that you mentioned this as well, Susie. Like I'd said to you, I think a couple of weeks ago or even last week that I'd been out on my bike at the weekend. I spotted before you said that, I said, you seem a bit better today, Ben, you seem a bit brighter. And it was also because the previous few weeks, you've been very much focused on the then and now, whereas your energy was a lot like higher on Monday, and you were focused on forward planning and getting more excited about things that we we're working on. So I just felt like your energy had shifted. And then you said, yeah, as you said. were just saying, I've been, I've been out on my bike. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is really interesting, right? So we got a dog as a family about 18 months ago. And because having a dog is, is lovely and it enables us to go for family dog walks, it's all great. But having a dog, as the dog owners listening will know, it, it's a big commitment, right? And I want to make sure at home I'm doing my fair share of the dog walks. If the dog needs to be walked, I want to do it as a family activity rather than disappearing and doing something by myself. And because of that, One of my main passions and my types of exercise that I love has always been cycling. So probably the last 18 months, I've done very little cycling. And I always used to say it was amazing thinking time for me because it's quite a repetitive, repetitive, rhythmical exercise. And my mind would just, just wander. And I hadn't done that. And when I go cycling, I process things. I have great ideas. And you, you spotted it straight away. It came back in. And I probably had three or four ideas at the point you're probably going, oh, God, I wish you were tired still then. I'm <laughs> not another one. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting bit about this is, again, it's I've spoken about this in the community. Those of you who've worked with me have heard me talk about this a lot. Like it's one of my new favorite things. It's the, the brain network that we use to solve problems unconsciously and where creativity comes from. It's called the, the default mode network. And we access the default mode network when we're doing things we don't have to think about that much. So walking your dog on a regular route, commuting to work when you're driving a normal, regular commute where you don't need to think about where you're going. For some people, it's as soon as you wake up. For some people, it's standing in the shower. For me, it's always been riding my bike. Yeah. And I've done loads of workshops the last two years saying to clients like, right, what can you do to make sure you're accessing your default mode network? Because we need to be accessing that as leaders. Had I been doing it? No, like I'd, I've been totally like incongruent then, hadn't been practicing what, what I preach. And it's amazing what difference it makes when you when you give yourself the opportunity to fire up that part of the brain. I know, it's weird, isn't it? Because I'd always thought I came up with my best ideas when I was running, but I didn't know why. Mm. I just thought it was coincidental. But actually, when you explained it, it made total sense. Yeah, but probably only running a familiar route if you're running somewhere new where you have to think about where am I going to go kind of traffic other people around you then your brain is focused on the the act of running whereas if you can always allow yourself to go onto autopilot hence the name default mode network that's when you can drop into that that brain network yeah, it's super cool yeah I love that yeah and then the final thing that that I did and again this is one that very much won't work for everybody as I said at the start of this episode, for a long time, I was fairly, fairly anti this. But sometimes over the past few weeks, I would do a little bit of work at the weekends, but it was very deliberate and intentional. I'd say, okay, if I just open the laptop, do 40 minutes work on these one or two tasks, I know that's going to calm me down slightly. When I go back into work on Monday, I'm a, I'm a little bit ahead. And that, that worked really well. I think the danger with that is just making sure we don't allow that to become a habit. 
I often say us human beings, we tend to have um, Velcro for the bad habits and like tef- Teflon nonstick for, for the good ones. So if, if you're struggling, it's maybe one to think about, but be very careful, do it very intentionally and don't let it become a, a, new, a new habit for you. Something I've learned from you, which I think sort of taps in quite well to, to that is your, your planning and at the end of Friday, working out exactly what you want to focus on the following week so that then you can, if you're not working over the weekend, you just switch your mind off. Yeah. And that's great. I find that really helpful. And that probably started to slip a little bit for me. I mean, that is a pretty embedded habit and routine for me. So I, I still stuck to that most of the time. If I didn't get it done on a Friday, I'd, maybe that would be the thing I'd do over the weekend. But it certainly did start to slip for me. I wouldn't do it quite as um, quite as thoroughly. And I w- w- was finding I was starting my weeks feeling like I was on the back foot. And I didn't quite have a as good a plan as as, as I needed. But in, in the moment, I didn't quite link up all the dots and realise what was what was going on, I don't think. It's great now, though, because you can spot it probably in other people. You'll probably be more aware of the the subtleties and you'll probably help other people by uh, spotting it early. Not sure if we said this at the start, but the, the reason for sharing sharing all of this is, like, I've, I've noticed this in myself amongst all of my clients over the past 18 months to, to two years I've noticed that a lot of people are are tired. I think we probably, as a race, the world probably hasn't quite realised how much of a toll COVID took on us all. And I think coming out of COVID, there were probably a couple of camps that different people and di- different businesses fell into. I think if your business had struggled during COVID, I think you kind of emerge from it with this plan to write let's let's get back to where we were let's rebuild the sales let's rebuild the business and just gone at 100 miles an hour and probably haven't really taken the foot off the gas much since the the final covid lockdown or maybe you came out of covid and covid was brilliant for you so business and sales was booming you think right we've got to maintain that or or grow it because every business wants to constantly grow right and again gone at 100 miles an hour and not quite taking the taking the foot off the gas. So I do see that people are are tired. I don't want to say there's a burnout pandemic coming, although I've just said it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it is something I really think we need to pay attention to. And there's a balance here. And someone said this to me after one of my newsletters that I sent to all of my subscribers. Is, is there a danger that talking about burnout and mental health so much, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and we all burn out and start thinking we've got every single mental health condition. I think they call it medical school syndrome, whereas <laughs> medical school students, as they learn more about different diseases, they suddenly think they've got all of them, right? <laughs> um, so there is a danger it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I, I do think probably more than ever, we as leaders need to be l- looking after ourselves. And maybe the final thing that rounds this episode off, actually, really nicely you shared a Forbes article didn't you Susie in our Facebook community this this week yeah so it was a Forbes article and it said 69% of people say that their manager has more impact on their mental health than their partner their doctor or their or their therapist and it was a relatively small study right it was 3,400 people it said in the study but it was geographically diverse. They had um, respondents from 10 different countries. And that really got me thinking, and I just actually recorded a, a Friday Thoughts video about this. When you first hear that stat, you could go, 
wow, like 70% of people saying their boss is really affecting their mental health. And it could be good or bad, right? You go, that, that's high. That's surprising. But I think if you just pause and reflect on it a little bit, it's probably not surprising at all. Because if you think about it, during our um, working life, we spend more of our waking hours with our work colleagues, be that physically if we're in the office together or virtually if we're working from home. We spend more of our waking hours with our colleagues than we do with our partners. So they are going to have an impact on us. And then for leaders, that creates two really interesting things to think about, I think. Number one is We've got we've got a boss as well. Probably ninety nine point nine percent of us have got got a boss. So, what are we doing to look after our own mental health? Like, because we've we've got to take responsibility for that ourselves. So, what are we doing to look after ourselves? And then, if that seventy percent exists, what are we as leaders doing to make sure that the impact we're having on those we've got the privilege and responsibility to lead is a positive one? Because it it ripples out, as I always say, kind of the impact we have on those that we lead, it's not just on those that we lead between nine to five, Monday to Friday when they're with us. It has an impact on what they're like when they go home. And that will have an impact on their husbands, wives, partners, kids, cats, dogs, whatever, right? So we really need to think about looking after ourselves and trying to make sure we are having a a positive ripple effect on those that we lead rather than than a negative one, even if it's unintentional. So, folks, <laughs> I think that is it for this episode. Very different, a little bit scary for me. Um, I really hope it's been of, of value and service. Thank you very much, folks. Thanks for listening. It's goodbye from me, as the two Ronnies used to say. And goodbye from me. <laughs> take care, folks. And as always, lead on. That's it for this episode and a huge thank you for listening to the show and tuning in. At this stage, I only ask one thing of you that I promise will take no more than two or three minutes maximum. Wherever you happen to be listening, please click on the subscribe button and then leave a one sentence review. That's it. It makes all the difference and means we can continue to grow our channels and bring you even better guests in the future that you can learn from. That's it for this episode, folks. If you want to talk to me about the show, leave me some feedback or recommend a guest you'd like me to try and get hold of, then do please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership. Until then, until next time, look after yourself. Look after those who've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And until then, lead on.